Working with patients with autism spectrum disorders can be difficult and confusing, but can diet play a pivotal role in therapy for autism? If so, what do we need to know about how diet can help? You're listening to ReachMD, and I'm dietitian Kathy King. With me today is dietitian Elizabeth Strickland, the author of Eating for Autism, the 10-step nutrition plan to help treat your child's autism, Asperger's, and ADHD. With over 30 years of experience, Elizabeth is the founder of ASD Nutrition Seminars and Consulting in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where she counsels patients and their families and consults and mentors professionals and government organizations. Today, we will be discussing nutrition therapy for autism spectrum disorders. Elizabeth, thank you for being with us. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss this topic with you. What made you first interested in helping people with autism spectrum disorders? Well, my interest first started over 35 years ago. I've always been a pediatric dietitian and worked with kids with special health care needs, you know, from cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, developmental disabilities, all the different childhood disorders. But back then, 30, 35 years ago, autism was virtually unheard of. And it wasn't until more recently that the numbers started to significantly increase. So, for like example, 2002, 1 in 150 children were diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Today, the number is 1 in 68 children are diagnosed with wow. autism. So there was like this really big gap. You know, suddenly we had all these children being diagnosed with autism, with severe nutritional issues, feeding problems, and there were not enough dietitians seeing these children. There was just not enough with experience and expertise and training. So I just kind of started naturally seeing more and more kids with autism. So about 15 years ago, I basically, my practice just started to exclusively focus on kids with autism. So that's kind of how it progressed over the years. That it was just a need that needed to be filled. What problems? You mentioned that families and, and children are starting to have more food and nutrition problems. What, what do you see? And what will the normal physicians see out there in practice so that they would know what to, to refer them to someone to help? That's a really good question because they have a lot of different issues that are related to nutrition that often go under the radar. But when you ask parents what is one of the major issues, one of the major problems they're having with their child on the spectrum, they're going to tell you that they're facing issues related to feeding, that mealtime, as the parents describe it, mealtime is a battleground. So, for example, the child is not interested in eating. They just don't have the same interest level in food and exploring new foods as other children do. They tend to refuse certain foods. They're very selective, and they may gravitate to eating less than five different foods. And if you try to offer them another food and expand their diet, they just don't push it away. They can have a major tantrum, self-abuse, head-banging, biting themselves, so obviously parents are very concerned about this feeding problem and then how it ultimately can affect their nutritional status. So this issue is so serious and it's one of those where parents are really seeking a lot of help. I dedicated like an entire chapter in my book, Eating for Autism, 
to give professionals and parents some guidelines on how to handle this problem. And when we look at the feeding problem, one thing, you know, there's many, many reasons why the child has feeding issues, but the one that stands out the most is that children on the spectrum also have a diagnosis of sensory processing disorder. And that's going to impact eating because there are five senses involved in eating, you know, visual, touch, smell, taste, auditory. So this is going to lead to feeding issues and then ultimately nutritional problems. And this is where the dietitian can really come into play. They can really work with helping these parents that are very frustrated. They're desperate to get their child to expand their diet. So the dietitian is going to play a role on transitioning mealtime from a battleground to first a pleasant experience and second, you know, expanding the child's diet. Do you find that many of the children, instead of overeating and and obsessing about food, they're doing just the opposite then? They're pulling away from it? Correct. Are most of the kids underweight then? They're not underweight because what happens is, this is where there's a little confusion because often the physician will look at a growth chart and the child has a perfect growth chart. You know, they're Ah. following their weight, their height at a normal range for their age, because they're eating enough goldfish crackers, you know, and french fries and cookies to gain weight and grow, but their nutritional status is what is suffering. I've heard of families who say their children will only eat white foods or they won't let their foods touch each other on the plate. Are those kinds of things that you see also? Absolutely, and that all kind of goes back to that sensory processing disorder. Since they get very overwhelmed from visual stimuli and smell, taste, touch, they're very particular and get into rituals related to food. Uh They may gravitate towards, they want things to be very hyposensitive. So they may gravitate to all the foods need to be white. And they definitely, when you put food on their plate, they don't like the food touching each other. So it's better to use, for example, something as simple as a plate with dividers in it. And that one thing can transition a meal from a battleground to being pleasant. So these are some areas where dietitians can give parents some basic strategies on how to resolve some of their uh, issues. What ages do you normally work with, and when does this usually start? When does a family notice that it's starting? Uh, Typically, uh, the age range in the past, before they were actually diagnosed and got started getting referral out to professionals, was anywhere around three to four years of age, and sometimes even a little older when they got into school, is when it was uh, at that point they got a referral from the school system. But since there is much more awareness, and physicians are now, pediatricians are doing some early screening, Children are being identified at very young ages, you know, even as young as 18 months to two years of age. So as far as referrals coming to me, I'm now seeing children as young as two years of age. But I still also get a large number of children referred to me that may have been diagnosed at two or three years of age, but the parents didn't seek out a dietitian until they were much older, six or eight years of age. And I think this is where physicians really could come into play and recognizing that these children, even though their growth chart looks perfect, they have some severe eating problems, possibly some gastrointestinal issues. 
They have some nutritional deficiencies, and they need to make that referral out to the dietitian. When they're making that referral to the speech therapist, the occupational therapist, the behavior therapist, they need to be thinking also of making a referral to the registered dietitian. Because the sooner we can start working with this child, obviously the better, as opposed to waiting until they're six or eight years old, and then parents may make a self-referral at that point. Another group that I work with, too, is adults. You know, I have a lot of uh, adult uh, group homes that I consult with. So I see they may have been diagnosed when they were younger, but now they're 40, 50, 60 years old. And the thing that's important to realize, it doesn't matter how old the patient is, whether they're 2, they're 20, they're 40, 60, we can use the same nutritional interventions and see some, you know, some benefit from it. That's the question I was going to ask. Does this get better with age? And you've answered that. You're listening to Reach MD. I'm Kathy King, and I'm speaking with dietitian Elizabeth Strickland, and we're talking about nutrition therapy for autism spectrum disorders. Elizabeth, although I'm sure that every diet is individualized, are there basic nutrition guidelines that you use with, with patients? Yes, because I don't like to take a cookie-cutter approach. And this is the diet you use if your child has autism. Uh, I think it's very important to look at these children very holistically and have an individualized plan for them. And that's why kind of over the years I've kind of put together some guidelines because parents tend to get overwhelmed. You know, there's a lot of different issues you've got to address. And if you try to do everything at one time, they get frustrated, they get overwhelmed, and they end up not falling through with the guidelines. So I kind of start with the basics, just like what you would do with any child. You know, the very first step, step one and two, is to start to transition the child to real food, you know, getting off processed foods, white refined carbs, off of artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, you know, not an excess amount of sugar, but to eat real food. And then looking at the food they're consuming, we have to make sure they're getting the basic nutrients. You know, are they getting their recommended daily allowance for protein, for calcium? They get enough water, fiber, fruits, and vegetables. Because we do need to realize that they've got very rapidly growing, vulnerable brains. And we want to make sure they're getting an adequate amount of nutrients so we can feed their little starving brains. So we can have them, their brain working at its optimum level so that child can benefit from speech therapy and occupational therapy and behavioral therapy. So it's nothing fancy to start with. It's just basic nutrition. And then I roll into the next two steps. Step three and four is where I get them on a good multivitamin and mineral supplement because they do have feeding issues, and it can take months to expand their diet. So in the meantime, we do need a really good safety net, get them on a multivitamin mineral supplement. But there again, nothing more than 100, 300% of the RDA. And the next supplement that I think is basic that I really encourage families to get their children on is omega-3 fatty acids. Because research is telling us that children on the autism spectrum, also kids with ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, learning disabilities, one thing all of these children have in common is they tend to be low in omega-3 fatty acids. And we know how important that is for brain function, brain development, uh, for speech. So we have to get them on those two supplements. 
And then after that is when things get really individualized. When I start rolling in through step number five, six, seven, eight, is where we start looking at issues related to resolving the child's feeding problem, healing their gastrointestinal tract, identifying and treating food allergies. Because unfortunately, we see quite a bit of food allergies and definitely gastrointestinal problems. Now, research is saying 70% of children with autism have chronic, lifelong history of gastrointestinal problems. So the dietitian is going to play a big role in helping to heal the gastrointestinal tract. And then once we kind of get through that individualized process in treating the child, then we roll into nutraceuticals. Because in the autism community, there's a lot of really good research coming out just within the last five years or so that there are some particular nutrients that may be very beneficial for children on the spectrum with relieving some of their autistic symptoms, you know, such as vitamin C, B12 in the form of methylcobalamin, B6, cornitine, cornithine, flavonoids, probiotics. So these are all the things that the dietitian can really start to recommend to mom and dad, help mom and dad go through a trial response with that child to see whether or not they're going to be a positive responder. It seems like those are also probably a lot of the nutrients that they haven't been getting all those years. Uh, We're going to be having to wrap up here in just a minute, but I would like to ask you, where can a physician and family find a dietitian who has autism experience? Well, that is really challenging, to be honest with you. There are not many dietitians that are specializing in the field of autism, and it's a rapidly growing area, and we've kind of become overwhelmed, so we have a shortage of dietitians. So this is something I really encourage physicians and families um, to seek out a dietitian, even though it may be a challenge. You know, they can contact their state dietetic association and see if they have a list of referrals to local dietitians. They can also go to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and just click on Find a Nutrition Professional. And also within the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, there's a, um, a group called Dietitians and Integrative and Functional Medicine. And they also tend to think outside the box and may have more experience and expertise in dealing with some special needs issues. I encourage physicians and families to seek out that particular website, www.integrativerd.org, for a referral. But when they do get a list and get a name of a dietitian, you can't just assume they have experience and expertise in autism. It's very important to ask a few basic questions. You want to ask that dietitian, do you have experience in pediatrics? You know, first off, do you have experience in children with special health care needs? Do you have experience in working with children with autism? Because they are very unique and quite different from other kids with special needs. And if the dietitian doesn't have experience with autism, that doesn't rule them out. Just ask them, are you willing to learn? Because dietitians, if they have experience in pediatrics and children with special needs, they can very quickly and get up to speed in working with children with autism. My thanks to our guest today, dietitian Elizabeth Strickland. We've been discussing nutrition therapy for people with autism spectrum disorders. Again, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate it. And I'm Kathy King, and you've been listening to ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com. 
featuring podcasts of this and other series, and thank you for listening.